0: From the bowels of uncertainty and fear, from the mountains of euphoria and success, From the faraway lands of China and Far East, to the warm glowing sun of California coast and the top of the Freedom Tower, we bring you the Global Edge Talk. If you are an aspiring entrepreneur or hardened enterprise global executive with an edgy story of winning or defeat, entering new markets or getting out of the old ones, we want to talk to you. We want to share your story. We want everyone to be on the edge. And because of you, we want everyone to have the edge, the global edge. And now, the Global Edge Talk host, Alex Romanovich.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Alex Romanovich with Global Edge Talk. Today, we have a special guest, Jay Samet. Everyone from the Pope to the President calls on Jay to orchestrate positive change in this era of endless innovation and endless disruption. Jay is a proven trend spotter accurately predicts the future because he's consistently working with those who create it. His column on Exponential Technologies, Artificial Intelligence, Augmented Reality, Autonomous Vehicles, and so forth is published by Fortune Magazine. Jay frequently appears on ABC, Bloomberg, CBS, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and so many more and tweets daily, Motivation Tweets to over 70,000 business professionals. Today, we will talk about Jay's accomplishments, his background, his history, his amazing book called Disrupted. Jay, welcome to our studio. Thanks for having me, Alex. First and foremost, I would love to continue to talk about you and your accomplishments. But And we will, by the way, publish a lot of the links on the landing page. We'll provide a lot of references to your accomplishments, to a lot of the work you've done. Uh, You need no introduction yet Is there something we do not know about you? Please
0: tell us. So long before I wrote uh, Disrupt You and, you know, traveled the world, I'm no different than anybody listening. I didn't have this world figured out. I'm not brighter than the average person. I just looked at life differently and started in high tech back when, you know, Bill Gates wasn't a millionaire. And one day you wake up and dozens of friends have become billionaires. And we weren't the brightest. We weren't unique. We looked at problems differently. And the second you realize that every problem is an opportunity in disguise, the world just unfolds for you. So that's really the, the real secret of me is there is no secret sauce. Excellent. Uh, tell us a little bit about your early
1: days, your childhood, your your growing up days and so forth. How did we get Jay Samet that we know today?
0: When... Uh, going back, I'm on the wrong side of 50. When I was coming out of college, Star Wars just came out. Most amazing movies, special effects, and I knew what I wanted to do with my life was special effects in Hollywood. couple problems. I didn't know anybody in Hollywood. I didn't know anything about special effects, and I didn't know anything about computers. And uh, I didn't know how to get a job. So what I did back in the days of newspapers was I ran what's called a blind ad, an ad for a company, but you don't know what the company is. And I described the job that I want, and then I'd get all these resumes in, and those resumes gave me two key pieces of data. One, what do I need on my resume to get that type of job by seeing other people that that are applying? And two, every one of these people that's applying has a job somewhere else, which means those companies are going to have an opening because these people have one foot out the door. So what I really did was take data to solve problems. Many people think an entrepreneur is somebody that sells something. All that an entrepreneur does is solve a problem. Solve for five people, you have friends. Solve for a million, you're rich. Solve for a billion, you change the world. Being involved with the first auction, which you know is eBay or starting with Hop, and LinkedIn, these things are now multi-billion dollar companies, but nobody started these things thinking they were going to become rich. They were just started to solve a problem. So I've taken stakes and been on boards of over 100 startups. I've raised $800 million for startups or more. And it's really easy. And so I wrote Disrupt You because I had this unique vantage point. I've sat in an empty room and started a business. I've run large multinational corporations like uh, Sony. And I've been a public Nasdaq CEO. So I know all sides of it. And I can really explain to people the steps to get from wherever they are to where they want to be.
1: That's a, by the way that's an it's a great crowdsourcing type of an example. Of course today anybody can go to LinkedIn and do something very similar. Look at the job section, look oh. at what's needed and oh voila, you know you have the job descriptions,
0: you have the the vacancies and what a great idea. I'll take you one step further and I tell the story in the book. Uh, a young man in the 21st century got out of college, wanted to go in advertising, got a job at one of the big multinational ad agencies, and boom, hes stuck in his cubicle doing numbers, bored out of his mind. This is not what he envisioned. He wanted to do something creative and work on big campaigns and be like mad men. So he looked on Google and he realized that none of the world's most famous creative directors, the heads of the big five agencies, none of them, nobody bought their names as keywords. And knowing that every famous person Googles themselves, he invested a total of $9. And when these people search for themselves, up came, I'd really like to work for you. Here's a link to my portfolio. He got interviews with three of the five creative directors and got two job offers. He basically accelerated his career by 20 years and Quintupled his salary, all for a nine dollar investment. Amazing. It's incredible what some some of the
1: innovations, some of the innovative ideas can do but for it, you. But
0: it's about thinking backwards from the goal. You know, if you if you're just coming out of school and you're applying for a job like everybody else, how are you differentiated? You're not. There's going to be 10,000 resumes, and there's going to be a computer that does optical character recognition software that's going to sort them, and they're going to just take a few, and you don't stand a chance. But if you do something unique, by definition, you are the best in the world. So you either want to be the best in the world you know, or the only one doing it, and the only one doing it is the best in the world. And that's the secret. Amazing. I want to get back to the book a
1: little bit later, but for now, I want to talk about the virus, the coronavirus. Talk about a disruptor and, uh, you know, somebody who is an expert on disruption. What are your thoughts? What will happen next? How will the companies and governments change the way they do things to anticipate this colossal change in
0: everything we do? Well, anticipates a little late. It's interesting for, you know, years. I'm the keynote at all these giant conferences around the world singularity university and on stage i give everybody the tools and talk about how great the future is but backstage people say you know what's going to happen with our planet in in this situation and the most likely outcome was a pandemic um because we all travel so much and all the reasons we now know stock markets the economy millions of people are losing their jobs so the quick answer is if you're waiting for the government to solve this you're in trouble. As hard as this is to imagine, you have to look at every problem in your life as an opportunity. A simple problem, two kids were in traffic in Tel Aviv, which doesn't have as much traffic as New York or Moscow or Tokyo or anywhere, realized one day that the phone company knew where their phone was. So if it told one person to go left and the other person to go right, there'd be no traffic. That was ways. A year later, they're billionaires without any revenue. And the reason I give that example, and there's tons of them, is right now, the systems that we used and the way we did things has completely been disrupted. The supply chain to get food, the supply chain to get stuff. Even Amazon has said they do not have the supply chain to service everybody overnight, so they're just going to do priority items of of food and medicine right now. Well, that means that there are unmet needs in society as many businesses folded. So instead of going, woe is me, what need can you solve? What tools can you do? And here's the secret sauce. Every single person listening has on their body a device that connects them to six billion consumers. You are one click away from all those customers. So if you think about it, every 48 hours, there's a self-made billionaire and they're getting younger and younger. Okay. The youngest now is 21 to become self-made. So What can you solve? How do you put it together? And you don't need to be an engineer. You don't need some some special degree. You only need two things to succeed, insight and drive. I can't teach drive, but I wrote the book and I teach a college course to teach people how to find those insights in the market. And there's never been a time with more opportunity than right now. You know, keep yourself safe and your family safe, but use that time to plot out a future that will be not only life-changing, but planet-changing.
1: But what, you know, we're looking at what happened in China and then the entire world is looking at it and kind of not paying attention. And then we look at what's happening in Italy. And now we are here in the United States. What does the government have to, what has to happen for the government to become disrupted for themselves to realize that they cannot continue to do things the way they're doing it. And first question, and second question is, what form of government is actually
0: best for disruption? Well, best for disruption is a different question than best for solving coronavirus. Um, If you ever read The Prince by Machiavelli, the best form of government is a benevolent dictator. The problem, is finding a benevolent dictator. And the closest that we have is Singapore, which is right outside of China, has huge international traffic and locked this virus down the very first week. Now, the problem that most governments didn't understand is we don't tend to elect people that had any higher math courses and they don't understand exponential growth. So if this has a coefficient of three, meaning the average person exposed exposes three people and they expose three people, that doesn't sound like a lot unless you understand the math, that that means within 14 days, you've exposed 15 million people. So the one thing the government's going to face is since this is most deadly to older people, and given that most governments are run by older people, they're gonna start waking up to this or dying. So you're seeing the equivalent of martial law. The easiest way to stop this is to stop its movement. Tell everybody to sit where they are. If everybody stayed still for you know 15 days, there'd be no coronavirus on the planet.
1: That's that seems to be the case uh, with this particular one. And Let's, this will
0: happen again. This isn't. Yeah, this isn't an anomaly. It's just most of them don't have the unique characteristics of this. The main one being that you don't show any symptoms for 10 days, so you're out there spreading. Yeah. You know. It sounds like all individuals also need to look inside and
1: decide maybe they need to also think about disrupting themselves, meaning uh, not wait for the government but you know build their immune system, change the
0: way they live, change the way they eat, and so forth and so on wouldn't you agree oh well it's it's, it's, it's the first sentence was the key and don't don't look for a government handout don't look for the government to solve your problems. Government isn't focused on you, you know. The world owes you nothing. Just remember that. And once you start looking at it as taking care of yourself and what you can do, then you're suddenly empowered. And that's why, you know, disrupt you was about the personal change. Everybody thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. And the second you can change that voice in your head that says, I can't do this or I'm not good at that. Second you can change you, changing anything else is easy. Right. Now you mentioned a couple of times that
1: innovators, disruptors are younger, you know, they're younger audience, if you will. I didn't let's, say that.
0: No. Uh, so Our let's, doctors, talk, let's, uh, let's the, talk about that. Yeah. So whether by choice or circumstance, everyone's career in life will be disrupted. So on the young side, you could come out of college and there's no jobs. On the other side, your factory, your company could collapse, your government, your nation state. We now have more refugees than after World War II. So You can be thrown into having to face disruption or you can set out to disrupt yourself before the world does it. And the difference is one you're planning for and the other you go, oh, crap, I wasn't expecting this. You know, I lived in this country a whole life, I'm expecting there's going to be Social Security. No, there's not. Or, you know, there's regime change in in a country or there's war. So it's really, there's no age that's specific. The average age of somebody that is a CEO funded by Silicon Valley is in their forties. It's not the, you know, kids straight out of college. So the message really is the age really doesn't matter when you think about it. Here's what does matter. And I tell people this. I've I've got, you know, a, a gray goatee and I said, if I was your doctor, and you came in and I told you, I haven't read or learned anything since I graduated medical school 35 years ago. You could be in a wheelchair and you'd run out of the office, okay? I mean, there's no way you'd go to a doctor that would say that. So why should anybody employ you if you're not constantly committing to lifelong learning? It's amazing that in the United States, the average college graduate never reads another book in their life, and that includes audiobooks. Yet, the average person in Singapore Checks out seven books a year. The average person in Lithuania buys six books a year. These are places that are trying to change. And here's the difference. There used to be a huge advantage being in a major city or a major country. We're now realizing now that everybody's realizing that everything but a, you know, a factory job can be done from home. You can run a virtual company from anywhere, employ people everywhere and not need to be in a densely populated place, or expensive overhead, or risk to pandemics. Very
1: true. Very true. Let's go back to the book. The book is called "Disrupt You." And for our audience, we will be posting links to the uh, where you can buy the book, which is Amazon and a few other places. Uh, it's a it's a great read. I've read the book. I think it was an amazing uh, it was an amazing read, and it really inspired me. And uh, as you mentioned, it really didn't matter that I'm 56. I could continually disrupt myself almost on a regular basis. So uh, tell us a little bit more about the book, which is a great read, it's been read by over
0: by audiences in over
1: I I think thirty or forty countries.
0: It's no, no, o- over over I've I've gotten fan mail, which I don't brag. It humbles me, but I've gotten letters from readers that has changed their life in over a hundred countries. Oh wow, amazing. It's, it's it's in eight languages. It's coming out in a few more this year. I never anticipated this. I never even thought about an international audience. I never realized how the whole world was facing these same issues. We're all in this together. So basically the book is in three parts. You're not going to have success in seeing insights in the world until you see the insights in yourself. So the first third is really how to break down your internal value chain, how you think of yourself, how you operate, that skill set. The second third Breaks down all the value chain in business from, you know, research and sales and marketing to everything. So you can see how the, the little guy can disrupt a hundred year old company, how easy it is. Thousands of examples, both personal and, and, and and broader. But then the third part of the book is really, you know, why I wrote the book and, you know, what I kind of sneak in on people. It's really a manifesto. The third part is, wait a second. If you're going to do these things, you don't have to do them just for money. If you're going to solve problems, why not solve the big problems because our world has a ton of them and the money will follow. So whether it's education or healthcare, whether it's uh, the environment, whatever those issues are, because I believe the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. And so why not apply yourself to say, you know, what difference did I make? I don't believe in reincarnation, I don't believe you get another shot, you don't get to live forever, but the things that you create in your lifetime can. And that's the exciting part about being an entrepreneur. You can change the world. I've seen it, I've lived it, and I continue to strive to do it. Incredible.
1: Uh, you've traveled all over the world, I'm just very curious, and I, I've been to many countries worldwide as well. How's the audience? How, how were you received by different nations, different cultures? Just very curious about it. Tell our audience a little bit about that.
0: I was shocked, okay? The book hit number one in Vietnam, and that was probably the most startling to me. So I went over there, and if you haven't been to Vietnam, forget that this beautiful country and all that. They are the happiest people on earth. People walking around seem like they're at Disneyland on a sunny day. And the reason is, unlike some of the Western nations, the parents' generation had it horrible and they have optimism because their kids will have a better future. And young people are thriving for that knowledge of how to connect to the other six billion and how to build businesses. And that amazed me. It hit number one in Australia. Australia, the different cultural thing down there is they have an expression, don't be the tallest poppy, don't stand out, don't brag. Well, it's really tough to be a startup, you know, and not boast and get attention. So that's been their challenge. In Russia, where Medvedev had me come and speak, the the President, um, they put a billion dollars into a startup incubator. And no one was taking the money because they were afraid. And that was interesting. And through most of Asia and in many countries, England's like this, the fear of failure is what stops people. They're going to be embarrassed. We in, in my generation, we'd, I love Lucy. Younger people have the Simpsons where Homer has a get rich quick idea. It blows up and then life goes on. We have no fear of failure. And failing is so important as part of the process. Look at a little one-year-old toddler. Show me a kid that learned to walk without falling down repeatedly. This is how you learn. So when you do a startup, only two outcomes are. You will either learn or you will be successful. But either way, you were further along the path than where you started. And if you don't believe me, and if you want to get over that fear of what will people say and what will people think, visit the right now, not do by, it by Skype, talk to people in old age homes and ask them their biggest regret. And Not one of them will say it's a mistake. They'll invariably say they wish they had tried this, they wish they had followed their passion, they wish that they'd taken that chance. And it's that you know, that's the secret here. And people ask me, well, when's the best time to start my startup? And my answer is always a year ago, but now's the second best time. Very true.
1: Jay, you already uh, wrote a book, which is a bestseller. You've traveled the world. You've impacted a number of major brands and governments through your work. You have relationship with some of the most amazing people on this earth. What's next?
0: What's, what will the next five to 10 years bring? So with whatever time I have left on this planet, I am committed to trying to spread the word and teach people how to do this. Um, so much so, anybody that's made it this far into your podcast, go to jsammett.com and you get a free 40-page workbook so you can start disrupting your life right away. No strings attached. I'm just trying to help. I thought that that would be my focus, but as I see major problems where I can help, I can't turn it down. Uh, one of my former engineers from Sony looked at the problem of global warming. I mean, uh, climate change. If we go up four degrees, we're all dead. And the single biggest cause of that is farming. When you till the soil, you release carbon into the atmosphere. So how do you go no-till? Well, if you go no-till, then you have to use a lot of poison. He came up with a simple idea. Why not have little robots, think of the size of of a microwave, that go up and down and cut off all the weeds so you don't need those deadly dicamba and Roundup. Well, fast forward, I'm chairman of Greenfield Robotics and we are changing the way farming's done. It's amazing. I'm working with some of the biggest tech companies in Silicon Valley bringing extended reality or augmented reality uh, to the market because that will change the world in a way that it's hard for most to imagine. We spend 12 hours a day looking at our phone. Our phone will not be coming out of our pocket. We will have heads up display that connect us in ways that are just astounding. You can walk into a supermarket instead of adding things to the environment. Things disappear. You come from the doctor, and the doctor says um, you got high blood pressure. You can't have salt. So you go in the supermarket. Show me the products that don't have salt, or don't have sugar, or or good for keto, or good for paleo, or halal, or kosher, whatever. And things just disappear, and you only see the products that are left. So that world comes. You know, in the next twenty-four months, there's amazing contact lenses and glasses coming out. So. I'm like a kid in the candy store. The world is changing faster than most people can grasp, definitely faster than our institutions like government and education are prepared. But for the individual that wants to go and get it, it's amazing. If I could tell you one brief story, I get tons of, Unlike when you're a CEO and your inbox is just problem, problem, problem all day, I get these amazing notes from people around the world. But occasionally I'll get one specifically from millennials that say, oh, this book is really motivational and everything, but I could never do it. And that just eats at me. I'm very thin-skinned. So a year ago, I decided to take a kid who was growing up on welfare, whose parents had been on welfare. He was a couch-surfing millennial, no real direction, and I mentored him one day a week just in the things in the book. I didn't introduce him to anybody, didn't give him any capital and didn't tell him what business to start. 11 months later, he's a self-made millionaire. It's that easy. That's amazing. That is amazing. Let's talk a little bit about
1: remote anything, remote shopping, remote work, remote communications. It sounds like we're being driven, whether it's viruses or cost factors or whatever. It sounds to me like we're driven to this
0: remote existence. Yeah, look I'll, I'll,
1: I'll look tell it. you
0: when the, when the light bulb went off on me of how powerful it was. Have you ever used 99designs? Absolutely. Yeah, so for those that have it, it's a company where you say, I want to spend 100 or 1,000 or whatever dollar amount you do. Let's say $500, I need a logo for my new company. I want to have this, this, this. I want the color green, whatever you want it to do. They put it up on their site and they escrow that amount. Then any artist in the world that wants to, that thinks it's worth their time, can submit stuff. If you say $50, you're only going to get a few people. If you say $500, you're going to get from the four corners of the earth. And not just unemployed people, somebody working at a top agency that wants to make a little extra side cash. So what you've basically done is outsourced design at the exact budget that you have. And every time I do this, and I've done this a bunch for startup logos and other other projects, after I pick the winner, I ask them where they're from and their background. And some are, you know, a poor person in Indonesia that learned, you know, Photoshop or Illustrator online. Others are, you know, in London at a big ad agency, but it's completely blind, it doesn't matter. So once you can realize that you can take pieces of your business, things that you aren't good at, that you can outsource, And you can do it exactly at the budget you want and the constraints you want. You can virtualize any business. And I've seen this again and again. People that are so quick of of plugging holes of things that for whether it's e-commerce or services, the hard part is already built for everybody. We're all connected. We all have ways of moving money seamlessly across borders. So the answer is, what do you want to build? What problem do you want to solve?
1: And that's a, that's a great, by the way, that's a great piece of advice because I see a lot of startups that are just repeating themselves over and over again, and they're not solving real problems. We have so many real problems in the world. There's so many opportunities to to solve them creatively and remotely. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'll tell you, so I have an exercise and disrupt you is guaranteed in one month to give anybody more deal flow of figuring out what to do than any VC has in Silicon Valley. Today, not tomorrow, just write down three problems in your life. You know, there's traffic, we talked about that, whatever it might be, but do this every day for a month. After the first or second day, you don't think you see any problems. And that's the whole point of the exercise. You have to break down moment by moment. What are we ignoring? Because that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. My favorite example was one of my readers uh, got up one morning. He was uh, our age and he was taking his medicine. The phone rang. He took the phone call and then he stands there. Did he take his medicine? If he did and takes it again, you can OD. If he didn't, you know, he has a problem. And he realized this is a problem. So he took a 25 cent Watch like you get with a happy meal, put it on the lid of a pill bottle. So every time you close it, it sets it to zero. Now you can look at the pill bottle and say, Oh, it was open three minutes ago. Yeah, I did take it. Or, Oh, it hasn't been open for eight hours. No, I didn't. Then he added Bluetooth. So now you can see whether grandma took her medicine or not. Then he went and started working with the pharmacies to make this as a cap for opioids so you could only open at certain times so that you don't OD or other stuff. So basically, one moment's problem in the morning that all of us would have, but would think past, multi-million dollar business. That's incredible. That's
1: incredible, and and it's very much needed out there. Jay, uh, finally, in conclusion, what do you want to say to our audience of edgy entrepreneurs who want to be on the edge, want to have your edge, and not only not only entrepreneurs. What about the global executives, uh, you know, running multi-million dollar or multi-hundred million
0: dollar divisions?
1: What so is your I, what is your word of advice?
0: I just stepped down as independent vice chairman of a company doing forty four billion. So I've been been on that side and everything. Here's the secret of how to predict the future: hang out with the people that are coding it. Okay, any of these major change technologies: the PC, the web, mobile, you know, uh, augmented reality, etc. None of these came on Tuesday and came to the market on Wednesday. No one's keeping these things secret. And here's the real thing if you really are a good entrepreneur. The people that are inventing these things have no frigging idea what to do with them. That's not their job. Their job is to make it. And so somebody else is gonna do the heavy lifting. When the when the iPhone came out, an amazing piece of technology, we can all see that now, but Apple didn't sit there and make apps. The first year, one of the top 10 apps was a fart app. Another one was a game with cats. Nobody knew what to do. But the people that said, oh, this would be good for reservations, I'll do table or name a thousand other apps that have become billion-dollar companies, they took that invention that somebody else spent billions on and solved the problem with it. So that's what you should be doing. And if you're a big, giant company, and I consult to billion-dollar companies all the time, you have to break down... What business do you really are in? When I was running music labels, they thought they were in the business of selling round things to stores. No, they were in the business of creating music for people to consume. If people aren't consuming it that old way, how do you do a new way? So it's really easy to think of that. So people aren't buying cars. People won't be driving cars. 3D printing can 3D print anything from human organs to metals. So really... Break down where can value be created, and more importantly, what I focus on and disrupt you. Where can value be captured? Because the most painful thing as an entrepreneur is to point out here's a hole in the market, and then somebody else grabs it. That's such a great advice, and we, we
1: could see this even with the example of coronavirus and the ventilators and the 3D printing uh, type of innovators who uh, who all of a sudden for some reason do not have access in Italy to the 3D printing capacity. And the rest of the world, instead of learning and adapting quickly and and anticipating it and preempting it, you know, we're kind of sitting there and waiting. So totally agree with you on anticipation, on being on the edge, on really creating value and solving problems. Jay, thank you so much for being with us, for everyone waiting for the landing page and this podcast. You know, go to jsummit.com, j-a-y-s-a-m-i-t.com, and we will have plenty of information for you on landing page. And Jay, thank you so much for being with us. Stay healthy out. Thank you so much. Bye bye.